welcome back, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to episode two of the Fresh Ice Podcast. Alongside my brother Brian, I'm Andy Matusi, and we are your hosts. We've got a really good show in store for you guys this week. It's going to be a little bit different than what we told you to prepare for last week, and that's just because it was an eventful week throughout the NHL between coach firings, player injuries, trades, all kinds of things that we're going to cover this week. It was a big news week in the NHL. So we have a lot in store for you. It's still going to be a good show, and we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, without any further ado, I'm going to pass it over to Brian, and we'll get his take on things. Brian? You hit it right on the head. We had a perfect show planned out for the stretch run, but it seems that the per- perfectly laid plans are never the ones that work out. So when the week blows up in a three-day span, you kind of got to have wholesale changes to the show, and that's exactly what we have here. But as you said, Andrew, we we're going to have a really good show today because we got a lot to talk about. We want to tell you about our new podcast partner, Buck a Buck for ALS. Buck a Buck for ALS is a not-for-profit organization founded by Toronto youth hockey players and moms who lost their coach to ALS in 2022. They've recently partnered with ALS Canada, and their goal is to raise $1 million towards a cure for ALS, or as it's often referred to, Lou Gehrig's disease. So how does it work? For every buck you raise, you shoot a puck. Whether it's at the rink, in the driveway, or on the lake, shoot your pucks, record it, and tag Buck a Puck for ALS. Participants who raise the most money will win amazing prizes, such as a coaching session with Toronto Maple Leafs assistant coach Dean Chinaweth, Toronto Marlies head coach John Gruden, Maple Leafs tickets, signed NHL jerseys, iPhones, Xboxes, and more. So score big in your community and visit www.buckapuckforals.com to register or donate today and be sure to follow them on Facebook and Instagram at buckapuckforals. So, the LA Kings have relieved head coach Todd McClellan of his duties. Jim Hiller has been named interim head coach for the remainder of the 23-24 season per GM Rob Blake. In addition, LA has lost 14 of their last 17 games. Now, I definitely have an opinion on all of this, but first I want to hear your take on it, Brian. Yeah, I think firing the coach in this case was actually not the correct decision. Uh, you look at a, a lot of teams that fire their coaches for you know various reasons here or during a season, but this case specifically, the issues that LA was having, I don't think were coaching related. The two big ones that stick out to me were, were of course, the goaltending, which we addressed in last week's show. Uh, it's just been awful to win three of 17 games. is unacceptable when most of your problems are because of your bad goaltending. Uh, the other big issue that L.A. has is Pierre-Luc Dubois. They, you know, sold the farm to get this guy during the offseason, and he's been an absolute nightmare for them. Uh, a guy who is a notorious locker room cancer has forced his way out of both cities he's played in and tried two different times to get out of Winnipeg. He wanted to go to Montreal really badly because he's French-Canadian, and that didn't work out, and they, they, you know, manufactured a trade to get him to L.A., uh, but he's just been an excitement vacuum for the team. He's a horrible player to have around. His attitude sucks. He's less than half a point a game. He's a minus 22. He doesn't really offer anything for L.A. Uh, and ultimately, I think the correct decision here would have been to fire the GM for choosing to bring this guy in as opposed to you know, firing the coach, who's one of the better coaches in the league. I think McClellan's one of the best in the business. 
but firing him when the GM is the one who made the poor decision to bring Pierre-Luc Dubois in or, you know, not just benching Pierre-Luc Dubois or healthy scratching him. Um, there, there's so many different decisions that could have been made here that did not involve firing the coach. So what are you thinking? I agree with you. Um, absolutely not a coaching issue in my book. Like you said, Todd McClellan's one of the best in the business. Uh, he's also one of the most well-known, in my opinion. Um, they do have goaltending issues. Uh especially with Cam Talbot, but I watched the game they played, their last game right before the All-Star break, they played the Predators, and they had Dave Riddich in net. And they, they seemed to play just fine. It helped that the Predators didn't really even show up for that game, honestly. But they have bigger problems, and like you said, one of those is Pierre-Luc Dubois, who, again, career lazy player. He's a minus 16 on the season. I thought he, he was put minus up- 22. I don't know who I was thinking of. Yeah, I don't know either, but I'm I mean, that's okay. Uh he has 10 goals, 10 assists on the season. Um but like you said earlier, he is a locker room cancer. I mean, even you can see it if you go online and just pull up his player profile picture. This guy looks like a complete jackass. I mean, he looks like a male HOA Karen. That's the best way I can describe him. Um and he's got the personality to match it, and he's got the work ethic of a 15-year-old high school dishwasher. Um, he's just, he's not good for this team. And it brings me back to my point, why are you firing one of the best coaches in the league when there's about 50 other problems before that that you should have been addressing? Yeah, I, I just, I, I don't get it. And I know the skill level's there for Dubois. I mean, he was drafted third overall. When he chooses to play, he's a very effective player. He's a great face-off guy. He's got really good skill. He can play the power play, play all the big minutes. But he his, the attitude's just never there. He never puts out the effort. And we're going to talk about Elias Lindholm in a little while here, or very shortly here. Um, and that I kind of think he's the guy LA should have been after all this time. But uh, I, yeah, as long as I live, I will never understand the decision for the coach to be fired on a team where the GM's decisions have led them to this point. Right, and, and that includes also, bringing in Cam Talbot, who's like a thousand years old, to be your goaltender, and acting like you did something great when he just went on a hot run. He's never been a superstar goalie like this. He's had a few stretches in his career where he's been good, but so many poor management decisions have been made to get them to this point. And I think Todd McClellan's coaching is what had them playing above their skill level. I agree. And back to your point about Cam Talbot, Cam Talbot throughout his career has been just okay enough that everybody knows who he is. Correct. Um, To say he's a household name would be a huge stretch. But if you say the name Cam Talbot, Everybody's like, yeah, I know who that guy he's is. He's had a few good runs for every team he's played for. He started with the Rangers and had a couple of good runs with them, or a couple stints where he was really good. He had a few good looks with the Flames and with the Oilers. Uh, he had a good look with Minnesota, and he started the year great with um, with L.A. this year. He didn't really do so hot for um, Ottawa. I think it was Ottawa last year, but... Uh, he's he's done well in L.A. to start this year, but has really fallen off, as we talked about before. So, yeah, I, I don't understand why they thought that was the answer in that for a guy that was already in the twilight of his career. But I And just, I agree with you. Go ahead. I was just going to say I agree with you. Um, and watching them play the Preds the other night, Dave Riddich actually looked pretty solid in net. Again, I will stress that the Predators did not look good for the entirety of that game. They don't call but, him big save Dave for nothing. 
Well, for a while they were calling him that for nothing. Yeah, that's <laughs> when he was in Nashville, they called <laughs> they called him that that night he started in the playoffs, and then we never saw him again. So yeah, um, yeah, that that's a tweet that preceded unfortunate events. But if they can either get Dave Riddich to keep playing the way he did the other night, or if Cam Talbot can get consistent, that's going to start to alleviate a lot of their problems. There's other team issues here they still have to address, um, and like we mentioned earlier. Pierre-Luc Dubois is one of those issues, but I mean, getting rid of one guy, not getting rid of him, but addressing issues with one person isn't going to fix the team issues as a whole. I agree with that, and I'm almost certain he's locked up with them for quite a while. Uh, hang on, let me look at his contract here as we're talking. Real quick, too, and I, just, I noticed this, too, when I was pulling up some stuff for the show this morning. Um, I did not uh, know that Jack Hughes apparently is nearing his return for New Jersey, so that'll be a big boost for them, and they've kind of fallen off this year. And We can talk about that in a later show, but um, just real quick, wanted to touch on Jack Hughes coming back. It's not only good for the Devils, but good for the league. Absolutely. Publicity. So, yeah, uh, and to go back to L.A. with Pierre-Luc Dubois, he signed for, looks like, it looks like seven years after this year, if I'm seeing that right. Oh, um, man. Yeah, that's that. it's that's- not a pretty deal. So they're they're in it for the long haul. And I don't know if his contract's buyout proof or not, but tough look. It's not great. So uh, let's move on. We got some trades we got to discuss here, and I want to start. I mentioned it before. I want to talk about Elias Lindholm. Um, every year we have the trade deadline, and there's always the big fish that everybody talks about. This year it seemed like Elias Lindholm was the guy uh, that everybody was going to be kind of going after. There weren't a lot of superstar names on the list this year, but uh, Lindholm is certainly an effective player. Uh, He's just turned 29 years old. He's still got, you know, I would say in the prime of his career, he's a good face-off guy. He can play the power play. He's not exactly a power play finisher, but he's a guy that can be effective on your power play. Uh, This is exactly the kind of guy Vancouver needed. They wanted more center depth here, and for a good playoff run, you're going to need a guy that can play face-offs or do face-offs, play on the power play, uh, and being a, a good you know, middle six center, and that's exactly what they got with him. So I think Vancouver is as dangerous as ever after this trade. I agree with you. Uh, he's a the guy's a two hundred foot player through and through. Uh, he's I'm lo- just looking at his stats: nine goals on the year, twenty three assists, total of thirty two points. And that's through forty nine games. He is a minus eight on the season, but career he's a plus twenty one. I think this is a really good pickup for Vancouver, a Vancouver team that was already dangerous. And, you know, I had joked when you and I had talked in the last week or two about, oh, Vancouver's a bunch of frauds, and come the first round, they'll be out. I truly don't believe that, and I think this pickup affirms that they're the real deal. I think they're going to be a real problem for anybody who has to face them come playoff time. Yeah, I agree. And I wouldn't put too much stock into the fact that he's a minus eight. The Flames, who he got traded from, have been a nightmare this season. Everything has gone wrong for them. And for him to only be a minus eight on a team that struggled that bad, especially when he was playing most of the big minutes, uh, I think speaks volumes to how good of a player he is. And like I said, I'm not saying he's a top-line talent or anything, but like I said, he's an excellent middle six guy, and he can play the power play. And he's not a guy that needs to have the puck all the time. He's not the guy that's got to be the finisher or the playmaker. He's a guy that can be a screen or just a guy to work the half fall or behind the net. He's not. He doesn't have to be the finisher, and that's 
that's what Vancouver needs. They got enough guys that can shoot. They got Besser and JT Miller and even Quinn Hughes has a shot and Hronick's got a big shot. I mean, they really don't need another sniper, another finisher, whatever you want to call him. They just need a guy that they can put out there and trust to not be a liability, and that's exactly what he is. He's excellent in the circle, like I mentioned. Um, I think this is exactly the kind of player Vancouver needed, and he just so happened to be the big fish this year. So I think I think this is a good look for them, and I think it's good for Lindholm for his morale to get out of Calgary where it just really hasn't worked out in his time there. I think it's good for anybody's morale to get out of Calgary. Look at Matt Kachuk with the Florida Panthers. Yeah. So, yeah, that's fair. I, yeah, so everything, everything's Calgary, kind of falling apart for them. You can't really say the same for, like, Mark Giordano, I mean, he left there, went to Seattle, and then got traded to Toronto, and it's just been a mess for him and been a mess for the Leafs, but that's a different story for a different time. Absolutely. Go so, ahead, though. Uh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to harp on Calgary, Bory. <laughs> just that that's where ca- careers go to die, right now anyway. Um, I mean, you look at Huberdeau, too, who in the Kachuk-Huberdeau trade, the Panthers came out of that trade on top. So the more and everybody I see, they got hosed. The more I see Jonathan Huberto play, the more I think he he was kind of a passenger on the Florida Panthers. I mean, he was really good, and I don't want to take away from his skill level, but at a certain point, is it is it that the team is not coached or structured well, or is it just that Jonathan Huberto's not as great as he was playing as when he was on the Panthers? I mean. And maybe I'm completely off base with this, but I just he hasn't done anything to suggest that he's got the high skill level that he showed in Florida. And I'm starting to wonder, was he just a passenger with Alex Barkov all those years? I was just going to say that the biggest thing with him in Florida, again, you're not discrediting the talent the guy does have. I mean, he's a player in the National Hockey League. Um, But you got to remember, when he was in Florida, he had Alex Barkov feeding him every pass that he ever saw, almost anyway. That, That goes a long way. All right, so moving on, we had another trade this week. Uh, it was between the Jets and the Montreal Canadiens. So going to the Jets is center Sean Monahan. Uh, going back the other way to Montreal is a first-round pick in this year's draft and a conditional third-round pick in the 2027 draft. This is definitely a case where we have a trade where it seems both teams kind of came out better in it. Uh, for Montreal, a team that's still continuing their rebuild to get a first-round selection in the draft, and get another pick down the road potentially Uh, could go a long way for helping them out I mean those first round picks are huge when you're trying to rebuild and for the Jets they get more depth at center a team that's already pretty deep is now even deeper down the middle I mean the Jets really kind of bought into what you know the players have really bought into what management wants to do this year Uh, you had Shifley and Hellebuck both sign those huge extensions and, you know, in the offseason, they ship out Pierre-Luc Dubois, who have we've already mentioned is a locker room cancer. Um, coming back their way was Alex Iafalo and Gabe Velarde, who have both been excellent for them. Um, the Jets are just continuing to put something really good together here. And I think, uh, like I said, I think this is a trade both teams won. But, I mean, what do you think of the Jets now after this? I think it's a great fit for them. It adds a lot of depth for them at center. Uh, he's a great player all around. You know, he's two two hundred foot player. Um, he's minus ten on the year, but yeah, you got to factor in that that's based off him playing with Montreal, who is terrible. So I think it's a good fit for not only Winnipeg, but I think it's a really good fit for Monahan himself. I think it's a good morale boost, and I think it'll positively positively 
infect his play on the ice. And I just think it's an all-around good move for Winnipeg. Yeah, I mean, maybe a team that really didn't need to add, but again, I mean, we talk about it every year in the playoffs with injuries or, you know, just poor play or slips in play. I mean, Monahan's a guy that can play top power play if you need him to. He can he can kill penalties, and he's not horrible on the face-off circle. Um, you get a good utility guy, a good middle six forward, kind of like Lindholm. I mean, he can play pretty much anywhere you need him to in the lineup, but he's a good, effective player on a team that's already really deep that could go a long way because inevitably you will face injuries. You will face some hardships where you're, you know, maybe you're not as good offensively some games. So you need to have guys that can help fill in roles and, and, you know, be a little good on, you know, be a little better on the defensive side of the puck. And uh, I think Monaghan kind of covers all those bases for them. So much in the way that Vancouver is much better for the Lindholm trade. Uh, I think the Jets are, you know, much better off after this trade as well. And again, giving up a first round pick isn't the best thing ever, but their window to win is now through the next four years after Shifley and Hellebuck extended. I, I think they did the right thing buying in here. I agree. Giving up a first-round pick when you're in Winnipeg's position isn't something that's making or breaking the team over the next couple of years, especially when you add a guy like Sean Monahan. So I think it's a win-win for both teams. It'll benefit Montreal in the long run, I mean, hopefully for their sake, but right now it benefits Winnipeg, and it's a win for both sides. Yeah, I'm excited to see what Monahan can do there. I mean, he was great with Gaudreau and uh, Calgary and Really hasn't worked out well in Montreal for him, but again, the team's rebuilding. You can't expect, you know, the moon and the stars from one guy in a team that's rebuilding. So, we'll absolutely, see. we'll see how that looks going forward. Um, but now we have a new segment to introduce, and this is going to kind of be your baby, Andrew. So I want you to take it away here. All right. So this new segment that we'll have on each show from here on out is called the Tough Look, and what it's going to be is something that happened in recent NHL or AHL, recent hockey news throughout the week between shows, whether it's bad, greasy, weird, whatever, pretty much something that's not going to have a positive effect on anything in the league. Um, So with that being said, this week's Tough Look is brought to you by Lighting's Property Management out of Kenosha, Wisconsin. For all your lawn care, landscaping, and snow removal needs, give Lighting's a call. They do it all. And with that... The tough look for this week is Adam Fantilli and the Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm going to let Brian start this one off. So, as bad as things have gone for Chicago this year with the Bedard injury, I think if there's one team who's had it worse than them, lately it's been the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, the you know the goalie wanting to trade out of town, Elvis Merzlikens requesting a trade. Uh, the stuff going on with David Yurichek with him, you know, talking about how he feels he should be playing in the NHL even though he's not right now and uh, you put the cherry on top with Adam Fantilli um, suffering a calf laceration that's going to sideline him for about two months they're projecting eight weeks uh, till he returns which will pretty much take us to the end of the season which is too bad for a young kid like that um, nothing has gone right for Columbus this year and for Fantilli who was probably looking for this Bedard injury window to put himself into the spotlight, maybe take over the rookie scoring race uh, or at least catch up in it. Um, This is a huge blow for him and for the organization and for the fans. Uh, Like I said, as bad a season as a season can go, I think Columbus is pretty well at it or pretty well there at this point. 
I agree. And th- that that whole organization is a disaster as it is. I mean, the Fantilli injury, that's a huge blow, not just to the team, but to Fantilli himself. I, he, he was a young, promising player. Obviously, this isn't the end of the world, but it, it's still a big deal. As far as Columbus goes, though, a lot of their issues right now, besides their front office, which is an absolute dumpster fire, uh, they have a lot of really good young talent in the AHL on the Cleveland Monsters. And I can speak to that myself because my wife and I are season ticket holders. And even yesterday, we were at the game. They were playing the Chicago Wolves. And you got guys on that team like David Juracek, who had a hat trick in the game yesterday. The team won 9 to nothing. You got Carson Meyer had two goals in the game. You got guys like Trey Fix-Wolanski, Brendan Gauntz, Billy Sweezy. Billy Sweezy is... He brings a lot of good grit to the team. He's not a big guy by any means, but he's an absolute brawler, and he's a great defenseman. So they have a young talent, a lot of good young talent in the AHL that I think could significantly improve the team that currently has NHL players playing AHL-quality hockey. And then vice versa with the Monsters, where you got guys playing NHL-quality hockey who are just sitting there in the AHL. Um do you have anything to add to this? Because I could go on a tangent with this for hours. I really want to touch on David Yurichek because of the quotes he made. Um, he's been, you know, he's been obviously sent back down to Cleveland after playing pretty well for Columbus this year. And again, a Columbus that's had its struggles all season long. Uh, Yurichek's been quoted as saying, "I played good hockey in the NHL. I'm an NHL player right now. That's my opinion that I should be in the NHL right now." I see guys from the same draft like Simone Nemich in New Jersey, Kevin Korczynski in Chicago. They get a chance on the power play. I They play a ton of minutes in the NHL, and those are different teams, so different situations, but I can compare with them. I just want a chance to play like that. They told me the last game was not good enough for me. I told them that I don't think so, but that's your opinion. I was out of the lineup after that a whole month now. It feels like I haven't played, which now he's down in the AHL. But there's a really good tweet from our, our post on X now because it's not Twitter uh, from David St. Louis. And he said he commented on the, the quote about Nemich and Korchinski playing um, NHL minutes. And he says, I haven't watched Yurchek yet, so I don't know how well he has played, but the point still stands. Nemich is performing well because he's allowed to play his activation game. Korchinski is struggling, but he's still playing because Chicago understands where they are as a team. Columbus doesn't. And that is right on the nose. We talked last week about how Columbus is probably going to have a fire sale with management and coaching at the end of the year, and this is a perfect symptom of that, a team that refuses to play its top-end prospects despite being in a position where they really have nothing to lose. I mean, you're bottom of the barrel in the league. Your best player just got injured. Why aren't you giving these guys a shot? And that's exactly it. Uh, These guys are, I don't want to say they're rotting in the AHL because they're not. Um, And, you know, not all their numbers necessarily are supporting that they're NHL quality, but if you're physically seeing how these guys are playing time and time again in person, this is some NHL quality stuff. And then you have guys in Columbus like Elvis who are asking to be relocated. And I'm not disagreeing with him that Columbus is the problem, but he's also been a significant part of the problem himself. There's been plenty of times where you could put their loss on, on his shoulders. So I do agree with him to an extent, and maybe a change of scenery is just what the guy needs. 
to reach his full potential, but I haven't really been impressed with him in Columbus, and part of that is the defense and the team in front of him. But again, some of it's been on him as well. So I think cleaning house completely over the offseason is what the team needs. Start from the bottom, build up, give your guys in the minors a chance to prove themselves, and see where it goes from there. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think with the Elvis thing, I think that'll get ironed out one of two ways this offseason. I mean, it's almost certain that the management and all them are out the door this offseason. My guess is the new group will come in and Elvis will either buy into what they're doing or he'll just simply ask for a trade out. And I don't think there should be any bad blood there. I think given how rough these last few years have been for him, I mean, his best friend and teammate was killed in a firework accident, you know, protecting him and his child. Um, So he loses his best friend. His play slips. Uh, Just nothing has really gone right the last few years for him. I can't blame him one bit for wanting out. But the other side of the coin is if a new group comes in with a really fresh mindset and he likes it, he's shown the potential to be an outstanding goalie. I would totally get it if he wants to stick around and give it a try under the new regime. So I don't think, I think either way the Elvis situation will be ironed out. Um, But I think their bigger concern should be guys like Juracek who are like, what the hell's going on? Why am I not playing on a team where I'm clearly the best defense or one of the best defensemen? I guess Wierenski is definitely their best defender, but why is Juracek not even getting a shot when he's over a point a game in the minors and he's playing all things considered pretty well in the NHL? Absolutely. And I kind of feel like that uh, with Nick Blankenberg as well. They keep calling him up, sending him down, calling him up, sending him down. He's playing well in the NHL. I mean, he's, it's not like he's having a goal frenzy, but he's also a defenseman. I, he's he's a great defenseman at that. So, I mean, he should be staying in the NHL. He could work wonders for Columbus going forward. So I'm just hoping they figure that part out as far as call-ups and send-downs because it, it's kind of like they're just experimenting with pulling different players up. They've pulled Brendan Gauntz up a couple times this year. They, they got a lot of work they got to do and a lot of things that they need to figure out. So um, I think the best place for them to start, as we've mentioned, clean house in the summer, see what happens. I can already tell you when that finally happens and they fire everybody, That show, the title of that show that we do is going to be Columbus Fire Sale. It's got to be the name of that show when it happens. 100%, and I promise you, it will be. Yeah. So moving on from our tough look, I wanted to, or we wanted to discuss really quickly, this is still related to the Jackets, but this is um, this is outside of the game of hockey. Uh, Blue Jackets left winger uh, Patrick Line is entering the NHL PA player assistance program according to an announcement from the league he will be away from the team indefinitely as he receives care from the league's program according to the terms of the NHL and NHL PA player assistance program line a can return to the Blue Jackets once he's cleared by the program's administrators Blue Jackets general manager Yarmo Kekalainen was quoted saying Patrick has our complete support and our sole concern is his well-being out of respect for Patrick we will have no further comment uh, Line A posted a statement on Instagram thanking the league, his team, and the fans for their, quote, understanding and support, and said, After careful consideration and discussions with my support network and the team, I have recognized the importance of prioritizing my mental health and well-being. Hockey has been my passion and my life, but I have come to realize that in order to perform at my best, I need to take this time to focus on myself. I am grateful for the understanding and support of my team, the league, and our fans during this time. So... 
you know, we talk about stuff like this being bigger than the game of hockey, and it, it is when, especially when the league and the team and the player don't comment on exactly what's going on. Uh, all you can really do in a time like this is just is just hope for the best and whatever Patrick's dealing with. Hopefully, he gets the help that he does need and and can return to the league someday and and be a great player as he was when he joined it. Because I mean, we've we've he's been much maligned the last few years for his lackluster play, but. Uh, if he's been dealing with something that he hasn't had help with, I mean, that could certainly contribute to it. So, um, you know, we just want to extend our well wishes to him. And like I said, hope he gets the help he needs. Absolutely. And I myself am a huge advocate for mental health, assuming that that's what he's dealing with. We don't know exactly why he is entering this program, but I stand by what I said. I'm a huge advocate for mental health. We all have our struggles, and that's something that's a lot bigger than hockey. Um, and we, it's been noticeable ever since he came to Columbus. He has not been the same player he was in Winnipeg. And you again, you can argue that could be part in part due to the organization. However, if your if your headspace isn't right, you're not any job you're not going to perform well so uh, I echo what Brian said in that we wish him well and success in getting help and we hope to see him back on the ice being the player he was when he was in Winnipeg yep I would have to agree with that so now I want to take this and we're going to go from that kind of somber note but it was something we definitely had to make mention of Um, we're going to end the show on a positive note here Uh, our final segment here is going to be about the Olympics and the new four-nation face-off that was announced. Um, I believe it was on Friday the NHL announced that it is going to be sending its players back to the Winter Olympics for the first time since 2014. Uh, The league is committed to sending the players for the 2026 Winter Olympics and the 2030 Winter Olympics. The league also announced with this that there would be a new four-nations face-off tournament uh, next year, I believe, in February. Um between the U.S., Canada, Sweden, and Finland. So we're finally, after over a decade, going to be seeing international play, or around a decade anyways, we're going to be seeing international play with NHL players in it. I mean, this sport is my favorite sport, but it's it's so much better watching international play when it's the best players in the world. So I'm really excited for this. I want to get your thoughts on it too. I'm excited for it too. Um more so the Olympics than the four seasons or four seasons, the four nations tournament. Uh, I personally, I'm not a hundred percent sure how I feel about the four nations tournament, especially being in season. I still think it'll be good. I still think it'll draw a lot of views. I mean, I'll personally watch it myself, but I'm really excited for the Olympics. These guys haven't gotten to represent their countries like that in a while. And it is a hundred percent on Gary Bettman's shoulders. I think it'll be really fun to watch. You're going to see guys like McDavid, and you'll see Crosby in there again. I think McDavid's going to be really fun to watch in the Olympics. Canada is going to be insane. Their lines are going to look good. Uh, the U.S., they're going to look great. I mean, you're going to have guys like Austin Matthews and the Kachuk brothers most likely on the same line. That's going to be insane. I'm just really excited for Olympic hockey. There's nothing like it. International play is always fun to watch. Uh I'm just hoping that, uh, no offense to our Canadian viewers, but I'm just hoping that Canada does not bring home the gold. 
Yeah, I think it'd be, the game has changed so much since the last time the U or since the last time the NHL sent its players to the Olympics. I mean, the last time they went was for the Sochi Games in 2014, and the league was kind of at the tail end of its era of being, you know, tight defensive, hard checking hockey. And and since then, the last ten years, the game has really changed to a, a speed and more of a speed and skill game. I mean, there was always speed and skill in the sport, but it was such a defensively minded, tight, physical, hard game to play. And it still is to an extent, uh, but the speed at which the game is played has changed so much over the last 10 years. And I'm really excited to see, you know, like you mentioned, guys like McDavid and, and Bedard and McKinnon and McCarr, like these guys that can absolutely fly. It'll be really cool to see them playing for their own countries and see what they can bring to the table. And on the U.S. side, I mean, depending on who goes, the U.S. has a chance to ice probably its best team ever. We're going to see guys like Austin Matthews and Jack Hughes and Quinn Hughes and Connor Hellebuck and Jake Ottinger. I mean, there's a ton of talent in this league right now, and a lot of it is players that are under 30. So we're going to get to see these guys, you know, play a few Olympics together as a group. And I think uh, whether you're Canadian or American or Swedish or Finnish, I mean, there are so many countries that are that have great players in the NHL, and I think to have them going for at least the next two Olympics, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have a lot of fun years ahead of us watching these guys play as a group. Um, Just not the Russians. Yeah, as far from what I can understand, it doesn't seem like Russia will be involved in, in, in any of this, um, at least for the time being. Which stinks because there are a lot of really outstanding Russian players in the league, but that's a completely separate issue. That's a political based problem, not so much a sports issue. Um, and the, we don't do politics on this show. Correct. Yeah, I got better things to talk about than that. The Four Nations Face Off uh, will be a tournament between the U.S., Canada, Sweden, and Finland, which. I'm excited for because I love international play. And if this tournament's going to take, you know, go in place of the all-star game, I'm all for it. I personally do not like the all-star game. I think it's kind of the NHL kind of puts together the worst all-star presentation in sports. And so having an actual tournament that means some something that has carries some magnitude to it, uh, I think will be really cool. And yeah, we're going to miss out on a lot of premier players in the league. Like we're not going to have any of the Russians. We're not going to have Leon Draisaitl. We're not going to have David Pasternak. We're you know we're losing on guys from all these countries that are not the big four. But I think it'll still provide great hockey. We'll still get those big U.S. versus Canada matchups. You'll get Sweden and Finland and there's still going to be some really elite hockey to watch in this tournament. And again, I think it'll do much better than an all-star break would. So I'm excited for it one way or the other. I will agree with you on that part. I from day one have never been a fan of the all-star game. I do usually enjoy watching the skills competitions. Those are usually entertaining, but as far as their presentation of the all-star game, I will agree with you a hundred percent. The NHL does it the worst. Uh, it's usually usually in the sense that it's extremely cheesy to watch. And I don't like the current format. Uh, I did not like the jerseys for this year. I struggled through watching it, but I made myself do it. I I'm think that this... Me, yeah. <laughs> I, will, I will agree with you on... In the sense of it, re, the tournament replacing the All-Star game, I do think that's a good idea. At least it gives... It gives us something to watch in between while the players get a break. Yeah. Uh, for that sense, because I not everybody's going to play in it. So well, exactly, uh, and, and that part's that part's good. But again, if the league really wants to have uh, you know a break, I think it's much better that we have international play in place of an all star game. You know, if they did an all star game once every four years and did international play the other three years, I think that would be much better for the sport. 
Um, but that's I just think... my own personal opinion. I'm not really a fan of all-star games in any sport. Um, they've just really the only one that was worth anything was the MLB all-star game back when it used to determine who was the, who had home field advantage for the world series. But even the MLB all-star games kind of ho-hum now. And so I just, I've never really been a fan of all-star games. So to, to swap that out directly for international play, I two thumbs up for me. I'm going to agree with you. Uh, I'm still kind of on the fence, but I think in the long run, It'll be a good thing, and we get rid of the All-Star game. The only good thing in my book about the All-Star game is that it's an accolade for players to add to their resume in that sense. I, that makes them look good. So in that sense, it's beneficial. But, I mean, you, you watch these All-Star games. These guys are putting in about 20% effort. It's just – it's not exciting to me. It's not fast. They're, it's just – all right, let's do this for views and money, and let's get out of here. So, See, but that's I'm, the thing, you know. You talked about accolades and stuff, but what's a bigger accolade, being an NHL All Star or being an Olympian for your country? I think being an Olympian's a bigger thing to add to your resume than going to the All Star game. I yeah, that's true. Oh, and that's exactly why having the Olympic playback playback is going to be nice. Also, I think I just realized I said accolade and. Oh, did you? That's I not right. Yeah. So um, I was thinking about beer. Sorry. Oh, Alcohol. No. No. Sometimes <laughs> when I talk about the NHL, I think about beer, too, because this league pisses me off. Yeah. Well, you got some beer league quality players in it. So, <laughs> So yeah. But I think ultimately, I mean, to go back to the beginning of this, it's. I think it's great for the league. I think it's great for the players. And it's, it's especially great as a fan of the sport that the best players of this sport are going to be in the Olympics. I mean, what what makes better than Olympic hockey? I mean, some of the greatest hockey moments that you can think of in the last 20 years are at the Olympics. You know, the TJ Oshie shootout against the Russians, the Sidney Crosby golden goal against the USA. I mean, there's been a, a ton of great moments. Even if you look at the World Cup of Hockey that the NHL did in 2016, I mean, think about how fun that Team North America versus Sweden game was or Canada winning the gold medal or the, you know, winning the World Cup um, with that game-winning goal from Marshan in, like, the final minute against Team Europe. I mean, there was just there, so many great moments in hockey history have been during international play, and to have the best players in the world back in these tournaments I think will bring that back. Absolutely. There's no bigger stage, I think, than Olympic hockey. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'm kind of bummed that we got to wait two more years, but there's uh, absolutely nothing we can do about that. That's just how the Olympics run. Well, and I think that's why they want to do this Four Nations face-off. I'm actually a, a huge proponent of them doing three Four Nations face-offs and then on the fourth year do the Olympics. I think that'd be a much better way to do it. I don't want the All-Star game coming back. I truthfully, I really if I don't. had my way, uh, yesterday would have been the final All-Star game ever. Well, maybe we'll get lucky. Who knows? It'll never happen in Gary's NHL. I know. How so, old is that guy now? Not old enough. All right. <laughs> I think we pretty much covered everything we wanted to this week. You know, as we mentioned before, there's we wanted to kind of do a stretch run preview here and kind of see what everybody was going to be looking like the last couple months. Um, but when the league kind of blows up over a three-day span, you got you got to talk about you know what's current and what's in front of you. And I think doing that kind of or having these discussions um, was more important than previewing the next two months because these are hot topic items. I mean, if we were going to talk about the stretch run in this show, we would have talked about trade deadline. Well, 
two of the biggest pieces have already been moved well before the deadline and there's really only one big fish on there and there's a couple more that may move and we may get surprised somewhere but I think doing things this way worked out better and we can still preview those other teams at a later date um but I, I don't know I think I don't know what your thoughts are but I think this was the better way to go about it this week I agree uh we we uh, we have plenty of time to cover all these other topics I mean it, we still got two months left of the season uh we're not planning on stopping this show anytime soon or ever if i have my way all right with that we're going to wrap it up for this week again just want to quickly thank our partners uh, lighting's property management and buck a buck for als um, we're going to continue to to mention them for the foreseeable future here as we want to raise awareness for buck a puck and of course we are you know very close with those over at lighting's property management so we just want to thank them before we go We would also like to thank our friends from Before Tomorrow for providing the intro music for our show and our friends from the Triple Jets for providing the outro music for our show. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Fresh Ice Hockey Podcast, as well as X, formerly known as Twitter, at Fresh Ice Hockey. Thank you guys so much for tuning in for this week's episode. We look forward to your response from the show, and we look forward to recording another show next weekend. We'll see you then.